It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in third and final hour of the program here on Tuesday morning. And last week we were discussing the meeting or the, the uh, announcement rather from uh, MassDOT that a bridge design had been decided, a type of bridge rather had been decided and what will replace the aging swing bridge that is uh, known as the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge. And the announcement came that it will be a vertical lift bridge. Now, joining us on the line, we have Representative William Strauss. He is the chairperson of the Joint Committee on Transportation. And uh, he joins us now to talk about that and more. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Uh, well, representative, not congressman. Oh, yes. well, um, I don't want to get state, either of us right. in trouble. State representative, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's early for me still this morning. Uh, and speaking of yeah. transportation, you know, you have to leave a little bit earlier because the snow is on the road and it kind of messes you up uh, even more in your head. So I, I, and I'm looking forward to the day when I don't even have to drive the short distance here to the radio station. Let's get to that point in transportation. So let's talk about the bridge design that, yeah. or, or the bridge type that was announced um what were some of the discussions that were had in what type of bridge could go there i would assume that the the businesses that have been built up around that that space were a major factor in deciding what type of bridge could go there well you're right uh what you have in the very beginning of the the planning process is a uh across the board view of uh, different designs and you have to take the existing conditions that means the elevation of the roadway the access to the existing businesses on uh, both sides north south and well actually and east west uh, in as the approaches occur to the bridge so that's one critical factor uh, another which actually is preeminent here because of uh, uh, the nature of our harbor and our port, is the navigation. Uh, and so that's a factor. Uh, construction time, disruption during construction, uh, and then, of course, cost. So all of these, and they don't fit a defined formula, are the factors when you begin to look at a, uh, a replacement project. And typically, and, and it probably gets frustrating for the public, you start with what happens if we do nothing? Then what happens if we replace it with the same type of bridge, the swing bridge that everyone is, of course, familiar with, which has been there for about 125 years. Uh, and then you get into, uh, there are technical terms, but essentially a drawbridge where it swings up and down, either in the middle or one side completely. The whole span swings up into the air. And then the type of bridge design that was selected, the so-called vertical lift. And for listeners, the closest one of that type of bridge to us is the rail bridge over the Cape Cod Canal, where you see two towers. You see a deck, which in that case is railroad track, but it, as a bridge type, it's the same. 
and the decking that spans the water simply lifts up uh, uh, into the air in between the two uh, tower posts. And so that's, uh, and for factors I'm happy to cover with you, that type of bridge uh, is the one that MassDOT, working with their consultants who are an international firm that does nothing but bridges, uh, has, has opted in favor of. Well, well, what were those factors? Because I think people are looking at the idea of, of the swing bridge and saying that was good enough, but that was good enough for New Bedford 125 years ago. The t- times are changing, and, and different types of vessels will be trying to, to work their way through uh, going forward in the future. That's absolutely right. So let's focus first on the navigation, uh, the vessels. And, of course, that's uh, the heart of uh, our historic economy and uh, being on the water in my view, uh, always will be part of our our, uh, our economy. And so what you have with the current swing bridge, uh, and it's, it's tricky, is because you have the center island, you have, uh, in essence, two navigational channels, which are only 95 feet wide. And uh, for uh, fishing vessels, uh, it may sound like that's easy, but uh, depending on currents and winds, uh, you can have uh, impacts, uh, which is a benign way of saying uh, crashes. Uh, and so those 90-foot, 5-foot channels, uh, in essence, are a barrier to the kind of vessels. I have seen, and I think most listeners have, I have seen bigger ships, cargo ships, come through. Uh, to whether it's uh, at the backside of uh, Fish Island or, or Maritime Terminal, uh, but that's a very tricky operation. So by mo- at least moving away from the swing bridge design, you now are able to have uh, nearly a 260-foot wide navigational channel. That's a big advantage uh, in terms of even the existing vessel traffic and uh, bigger ships that uh, conceivably, as we talk in other places about um, uh, further navigational dredging into the upper harbor, it really does open up our port in a way that uh, we've been self-limited for a number of years. And, and taking a look at the planned height for this vertical lift bridge as well, uh, I saw mentioned that it would be the towers would be 180 feet on, on each side, and then the bridge itself would be able to raise, but you know, either 80 feet or 138 feet. And 138 feet is actually higher than the, the Bourne train bridge can go. Yes, that's right. The uh, a, a typical maximum uh, bridge clearance. Uh, these days would be 135 feet. Uh, It sounds small, but uh, the designers are recommending for purposes of uh, climate uh, change uh, an additional three feet to 138 feet. Uh, Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, uh, but for me, there's no science controversy here. Uh, Ocean levels are rising, and uh, so the design accommodates that. And that is a height that matches uh, <clears throat> major bridge clearances uh, uh, around uh, around the country, uh, whether on the Hudson or East Rivers in, in the New York metropolitan area or other locations. 
what you mentioned though about the two height uh, clearance is very important. One of the things that the uh, study authors did was they looked at where is the highest volume of, of bridge openings now and overwhelmingly the current users uh, represent the fishing fleet. So the 138 feet height uh, may not even be required. So the computers that run the deck operation can be programmed uh, to different heights. So the recommendation is you have a so-called intermediate height that would cover the high, high percentage of vessels and then the maximum height. And uh, the communication that occurs because the bridge operation is tended always uh, by people uh, is that for most vessels, the intermediate height would be sufficient. And what that does give you in an operational sense is a quicker turnaround. Uh, I remember uh, when I first moved to the area in the early 1980s uh, and, and first got caught in the traffic uh, of the bridge opening, first two, maybe three times, I thought, well, this is quaint. Isn't this, uh, you know, interesting? And you, you see the harbor, you see it in operation, but it gets old quick. And uh, the ability to have uh, a better turnaround time with a medium height or an intermediate height lift, uh, I think is an advantage, uh, not only to the vessels that have to transit through, but also uh, the wait times for traffic on either side. Is there an idea, an estimate of what those turnaround times would be with a vertical lift structure? Um, uh, there, There is, uh, except here's the reality. Uh, if it's one vessel going through, uh, you have a certain overall time. If there are a number of vessels waiting to go through, it's going to be open longer. So when people hear a turnaround time, and, and I just don't have it at the tip of my tongue, uh, in terms of, you know, if you press a button, how long does it take to get up? Uh, give it, you know, X minutes uh, for a vessel to transit and then uh, go down. Uh, it's always going to be variable. Uh, the vessels travel at different speeds. Uh, and again, uh, it depends on the number of vessels. The, I don't want to overpromise. I don't want the public to think that these will be uh, just a couple of minutes as compared to current openings. The most important thing driving all of this is the current bridge is uh, no longer sufficient uh, for the channel reasons, obviously, but operationally, it's a machine. Think about it. It really is a machine uh, that has outlived its useful life at 125 years because uh, the kinds of repairs that need to occur uh, the ability to replace some of the the uh, the working operation is is long past what's available. Uh, I remember in the mid '90s when the swing bridge operation, the round girder that sits at the waterline called a drum girder, uh, needed to be entirely replaced. There was really only one foundry down in Alabama that was capable of doing that work. Uh, we just can't have this port vulnerable to an outdated machine uh, as as um, historic as it is and and uh, its nice appearance. Uh, it is time um, uh, to move on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everybody would like to drive a, a Pierce Arrow if they had one until it becomes time to find the parts <laughs> that you need to replace it. Just, it's not viable. So one one thing that I, w- I will say is I'm going to assume, you know, that in this type of bridge, uh, and I know, again, you said you're, you're reluctant to actually give any kind of times, but we're not talking about something that's going to be 90 years old, like the, the train bridges in Bourne. We're talking about something that's going to be state of the art. So it will be the fastest possible of what's what's available. It's not like it's going to be the, the same technology that is uh, that is guiding a bridge that is almost a century old. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it'd be the um, modern machine operation. And, and also think, think, of, uh, think about this. Uh, the mechanics of it are on the land side uh, with the, the towers on either end. Um, we've had awkward situations, I remember, during extended repairs and closures in the past where uh, the bridge, while being worked on, is in that open position that is open for navigation. Uh, but that makes it also isolated from both sides of the land. And so even regular maintenance becomes a more complicated issue. In this case, we're working the, the two towers, so to speak. Um, one of the things I did want to indicate was uh, we're engaged in this because um, last session, uh, uh, just uh, a year and a half ago, um, the legislature uh, made available um, the these design monies and early construction authorization uh, in an amount of $100 million. The bridge will cost more than that, but... Uh, but this work uh, and, and the schedule is was made public. The intention is to get us in a, uh, a nearly completed design uh, position, uh, perhaps by the end of this calendar year, early into 2025, and be what's known ready for bid uh, applications uh, in by 2027. The and and that'll give us plenty of time in the legislature to talk about uh, getting the available monies that are necessary. This project could cost as much as $200 million. Uh, it's always hard at this point when we don't have final designs to talk about what the project would cost. There are different ways that bridges cost more or less in the design process. Uh, not in terms of functionality, but in terms of design and appearance. And I have no doubt, and, and that's part of the public process, that um, people will say, and they're right, this will be a signature, uh, call it design, part of the harbor. But I would encourage people uh, that... Uh, with fancy design comes more cost. Uh, and uh, the important thing, I think, is to get a safe, reliable, functioning bridge uh, that operates the harbor uh, as much as it's appealing to everyone, including myself, to have what you might call um, a, a design piece uh, that, uh, you know, is a, a proud picture uh, of the harbor uh, there's um, there's uh, probably uh, I hope a happy medium uh, in terms of these design things 
that goes through. The next real public sessions will be when the design team gets to what's called 25% design. Uh, and then there are, under the law, uh, more public hearings uh, that are called for. And at that point, people really will have much more uh, available to them to see what the bridge would look like, uh, the design elements, uh, uh, details. What has accomplished here, and it's significant, is that we're not talking about different types of bridges. We're talking about vertical lift. And so everything now is focused on uh, how to have that kind of design. And, and even if, you, as you said, there's a happy medium, even if you have to have something that's more functional than form, something like the Four River Bridge, you know, you can put LED lighting on these bridges now that give it a, a different type of an appearance. And there, there is a lot of customization that can be done even with a, a straight bridge form. Oh, absolutely. In fact, there's an incredible amount of lighting options which can be changed. So um, I'll just throw this out there and others will do a better job. If people feel, uh, as I think they should, that something about the history of our port, talk about whaling, uh, light designs and things like that um, don't necessarily add to the, the major cost. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and also part of the design here people would need to see is what does it mean to have a 190-foot tower or two of them uh, down by the waterfront? People should understand what they see. Let's say if you're crossing today on 195 and you, you look south, um, uh, what they see is the harbor. That image is going to change. But then uh, myself, I don't think we want to be locked in time uh, to the, the, I think they call it viewscape that people are used to if we're uh, also servicing uh, what is the heart of the harbor and the port, which is our maritime history, which is fishing, of course, but it's also uh, a number of other activities uh, related to uh, shipping and, and now, of course, wind power uh, support as well. Yeah, I mean, if, if my math is correct, we're talking about towers that would be taller than, than the Regency. So we're talking about something that would be a significant change in the landscape. Uh, that's true, and I, and I think people should should be aware of that. I'd rather people understood this as early as possible. And at that 25% design stage, which I expect to occur during this year, 2024, uh, some of the images will include that the designers come up with. And, and with the computer-aided design, which I only know exists, I, I don't know it from a technical standpoint, people will see these different uh, views how it will appear in in the harbor, and I'm sure a lot of the public comments that come in will focus on that. Uh, but uh, the historic bridge, and you're likely to hear from listeners who say, "I love the old bridge," um, and uh, certainly it has an appeal uh, because it is part of our history. But you know, our history, uh, and I don't want to sound too philosophical here. Uh, should not constrain us in what we need to do to keep this a viable uh, port. 
And just one final question I have uh, bef before we part ways. Uh, this yeah. is, and this is about something completely different, but the story has come out that the U.S. Federal Highway Administration has ordered all 50 states to get rid of these, you know, humorous messages that are on some of these highway signs. I just wanted to get I your thoughts on that this. Up. Uh, I, I take a, a fairly traditional view that uh, when people are on the highways, the important thing is to allow them to travel safely. And I don't mean to say I don't have a sense of humor. I, I think I do. But uh, the information that's communicated to the driving public or the motoring public should be the information that is uh, within what I'll call the mission of the interstate highway system, which is to get you there safely, to know what exits are coming, what resources or, or uh, uh, you know, whether it's food, hotels, whatever, uh, what resources are at each exit, and to be uh, the, the straight with information and not in any way to cause confusion. So while it sounds like, and, and, and I did hear the, the reports, uh, that the uh, Federal Highway Administration lacks a sense of humor, uh, let's remember what the point of of the signage uh, on these roads is, which is accurate information to get people safely to where they need to go. All right. Well, Representative William Strauss, thank you for joining us. We look forward to talking with you more in the future as, as the bridge project is underway. Great. Thanks for reaching out. All right. Thank you. Again, that is Representative William Strauss. He is the chair of the Joint Committee on Transportation. We will talk more about that when we come back on the other side of the news. We can also take your thoughts on everything that the representative said. Right now, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the news with Phil. All right. It is time now to go into the newsroom and get all the latest headlines of the day with Phil Devitt. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. It was a big night for former President Trump in the Iowa caucuses as he claimed a solid win. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis finished in second place, followed by former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy called it a wrap after his disappointing showing, deciding instead to publicly endorse Trump. Next up is the New Hampshire primary on January 23rd, in which Haley has been surging, though still behind Trump. Fresh off his win in the Iowa caucus, Trump is expected to be in a New York courtroom today for a defamation trial against E. Jean Carroll. She's the writer he's been found civilly responsible for sexually abusing in the 1990s. Boeing is taking a, quote, hard look at quality control after a door plug blew open on an Alaska Airlines flight. The company planning additional inspections for its 737 MAX planes. In an email to employees, CEO of Boeing's commercial airplanes division, Stan Deal, said he'll bring in an outside party to make an assessment on the quality management system. A fake 911 call is being blamed for sending emergency crews to the White House Monday morning. Officials said the bogus call claiming the White House was on fire was made just after 7 a.m. Eastern. Emergency crews worked with the Secret Service to determine there was no emergency. Within minutes, President Biden was at Camp David at the time. This comes as several politicians have recently fallen victim to so-called swatting incidents recently. A new report says the world's five richest men have more than doubled their wealth since 2020. According to the nonprofit Oxfam, the combined wealth of the elite group, including Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, and investor Warren Buffett, 
jumped from $405 billion to nearly $870 billion in the past three years. It's hard to imagine, but the world's oldest forest is just a four-hour drive from the south coast. Sarah Lee Kessler with a story. Scientists from SUNY Binghamton and the University of Cardiff in Wales first discovered it in 2009 in the Catskills Mountains. It's near the town of Cairo at the bottom of an abandoned quarry, but the exact location, well, we can't tell you. It's a secret. Researchers have told the journal Science that the forest has rocks that are 385 million years old that may have been seen or even stepped on by dinosaurs, all of which are limited to scientific study only. Sarah Lee Kessler, NBC News Radio, New York. It's a wrap on the 75th Primetime Emmy Awards. Succession took home the trophy for Outstanding Drama Series, while The Bear won Outstanding Comedy Series. While technically no longer hosting the show, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah won this year's Emmy for Outstanding Talk Series. And Elton John now has his EGOT. The singer won an Emmy for his Goodbye Yellow Brick Road concert film. That's the E. He's also a Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award winner. Time now for WBSM Sports, brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. Last night, the Boston Celtics beat the Toronto Raptors 105-96. Up next, the San Antonio Spurs at TD Garden on Wednesday. The Boston Bruins beat the New Jersey Devils 3-0. Their next game is home with the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday. Now we check your forecast with ABC6. Slippery travel this morning with the temperatures in the 20s, wind chill values in the teens. We have a little bit of everything out there. We have the rain, we have the snow, we have the freezing rain. And this will be changing over to an all-rain event as we head into the afternoon. Temperatures this afternoon in the mid-30s tapering off overnight tonight with frigid temperatures on the way. Dry conditions as we track another potential storm system on Friday. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. This WBSM news update brought to you by Sparks Auto Dartmouth, home of the $29 oil change. Your choice for auto repairs, brakes, and inspection stickers. Sparks Auto, 425 State Road, Dartmouth. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station WBSM and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Finally, I figured out, but it took a long, long time. Now there's a ton of Bob, maybe because I'm trying. There's been Welcome back in 508-996-0500. We're going to go right back to the phones in a second. But before I do that, hey, it's a great day to stop and get yourself some breakfast, right? If you got to get out and leave the house and drive around and all this mess, well, why not treat yourself to something good? Even if you don't have time to sit down and have a full breakfast at Just Another Phoenix Restaurant, you can still have a full breakfast from Just Another Phoenix Restaurant because you can go through their drive through window and get their whole menu. I mean, don't get the whole menu. People are going to be waiting in line behind you. They're going to get mad. But you can get anything off the menu. 
And, of course, if you do decide to go in and sit down and have breakfast, well, it is Tuesday, so seniors get free coffee with their meal. It's just one of the ways they take, that they take care of you at Just Another Phoenix Restaurant. It's located on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. You just go a little bit past the sheriff's office there, and you'll see Just Another Phoenix right there on the side of the road. It is a wonderful place full of great people. You can sit down at the counter and watch as the cook prepares your breakfast and have a conversation with him as he's cooking your food. You can see the home fries on the grill. You can watch him flipping the eggs, all of that great stuff. Or you can have a conversation with your server, with some of your other table neighbors. It's that kind of a place, that kind of an atmosphere. If you can't stay, you know you can get your breakfast through the drive-thru, but if you can stay, it's like a little oasis for yourself in the morning amongst all this mess out there. So check out Just Another Phoenix Restaurant, Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. All right, let's go to the phones, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Morning, Jim. How you doing? Not bad. Hey, jumping on the uh, the Iowa thing and kind of how Trump is being very not himself. He's very, very congratulatory. You notice, like, when he wins, he's very congratulatory. He did that in 20, 2016 with Hillary Clinton. Very congratulatory. When when Trump wins, he's very nice to his opponent. They're like, oh, yeah, you, did, you know, you tried really hard. We're really proud of you. You know, we're, we can all be friends, which is why he didn't end up going after the Hillary Clinton and prosecuting her like he promised. You know, put her in jail, you know, lock her up, that whole thing. He he didn't do that. And the reason is because he won, right? Because it's all about when he loses, he is a sore loser. He will lose, and it's everybody else's fault but his own. But when he wins, all is forgiven in the world, and we all can be friends. So that's... it's it's his gimmick. It's his game. This is how he rolls. And and when he loses in New Hampshire, well, not when, but if he was to lose in New Hampshire, it'd be the election was rigged in New Hampshire. They don't like me. Da 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 da. We know how the we know his game plan. We know how his mind works. And it's going to be the same playbook over and over again. Just this year is a different year. Well, it'll be interesting to see as we head into New Hampshire if that tone changes at all. If he goes back on the defensive against some, you know, against Haley or against DeSantis, um, I right. think now with with Ramaswamy putting his his weight behind Trump, maybe that encourages Trump to kind of be be a little bit more of that bombastic guy. Because I mean, Vivek was trying to be all of that and more, uh, right. and, and opposed to Trump. So I think I think you might see some of that some of some of that type of mentality come out again, but. Maybe. Uh, again, Maybe. It, what, what do you think when once um, DeSantis drops out, because that's the next shoe to drop, he'll be the next one to drop out. Uh, where is Where do you think his uh, supporters are going to go? Because his supporters can't stand Trump. Yeah, just because I, they've been they've been they've got a lot of bad blood. Will they go with Haley or will or will they like forgive Trump and, and come groveling back to, you know, the MAGA master? I mean, if you look at the math, and I know this isn't a this isn't an accurate game to play, but if you look at the math between Haley, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy, you would think that if all of those got behind whoever the one other possibility was, that Trump yeah. would have a real race in the primary. The fact of the matter is, most of those folks are just going to go over to Trump because they're going to realize that that's that's their best course of action, and it's going to take a, a really strong showing from either Haley or DeSantis uh, in the next couple of primaries to even consider. Not jumping right. on that train. Yeah, it's it's 
for, for politics is the path of least resistance. You know, mm-hmm. and you're, you're the first guy to raise your hand, and, you know, you're, you're the leader. It takes the second and third. Once you start seeing people go toward a certain candidate, that's when you'll have the masses follow. And I think I think that I think you're absolutely right. I think that I mean Trump's been a lock in since day one, even though he's not my candidate clearly. Um, but it, it I all comes. I, I just I just see it in the playbook. I just see him. I was going to say it, it all comes down to whoever can raise enough money to stay in the fight for as long as they can. And right. I, and, and and I think Haley has that because she's got the the Americans for Prosperity behind her. And if you stay in the fight, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, if we get to like May or June and things don't look, you know, iffy with the Trump campaign, then yeah, you drop out. But if if there's still all of that uncertainty hanging over everything, stick it out for as long as you can. Yeah. Because it only benefits right, you if you're going to run again. So. Right, right. All right. All right Jim. Have, Have a great day. Let's, let's take another call here. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, forgive me, I... I tuned in around 8.15, so I may, uh, this question may have been answered by uh, uh, Mr. Strauss uh, in his discussion with the bridge with you, mm-hmm. and I, I might have missed it, but I was thinking about access to Pope's Island if they uh, construct a new bridge. Do you know if one of the towers is going to rise up on Pope's Island, or is it going to span the entire distance between the New Bedford side and the Fairhaven side? No, no, it would be like, it would be on either of the points where the bridge is now. Maybe a little bit more wider uh yeah. you know a little bit further back but it, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be something that's going to go all the way to like the the town line yeah because i was just wondering how accessible po- there's a lot of businesses on pope's island and it's uh people would want to have access you know to the to that uh to those businesses and I, i'm sure that it's in their plans that that you're gonna they'd also have to dredge some of those if they're going to be bringing bigger sh- uh, bigger ships into the North Terminal there, uh, they're also probably going to have to do some dredging to make that channel deeper because, as we all know, when you look at a ship coming in, that thing is sitting much lower in the uh, in the water than you think it is. But that is that is something that is part of the plan uh, going forward, especially as they're looking to revitalize the north end of the harbor. They're they're going to be they're going to be doing more dredging. They're going to be doing more improvements to try to get more marine traffic uh, up that way. The thing the thing that I would keep in mind when it comes to a vertical lift bridge, and again, it all depends on the design phase and and what what these designs need to have for a kind of an approach. But if you look at the 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 Bourne train bridge, which is what Representative Strauss used as as a as a marker. If you look right. at that, there's literally no approach. I mean, you're basically just coming down the train tracks and then you get into the, uh, you know, the actual entrance of the bridge. And if it's a similar design to that, you will have no problem with any of those businesses still being able to, to operate with, with no issue because it's going to essentially be the same type of thing as it is now with the same kind of approach. Yeah, well, I'm sure... Uh, I have no love for the old bridge. I mean, to me, it's one of the ugliest bridges I've ever seen. Uh, I know, I know, not everybody feels that way about it, but I mean, I've seen a lot of bridges, and that's that's a pretty ugly bridge to me. And and anything more uh, that would facilitate the growth of the North Harbor and make make things easier for shipping is definitely going to help New Bedford, no question. All right. Well, I thank you for the call. You have a great day.
You too. Bye. And uh, let's squeeze in another. You know what? I got to take the break. Why don't I take the break here? When we come back, caller, I will get to you as soon as we come back. We'll be back in just a few moments. <clears throat> this Saturday, if you want to have the opportunity to learn something new and try something new, get on down to Stevie's Wine and Spirits in Fairhaven. Again, this Saturday, January 20th, for an exciting cognac class. You can get out of the house and learn something new at a free in-person event. So you get to taste and learn about the origins and distillation process of two types of French brandies, including the grapes that are used, the regions in which they are grown, and the barrel aging that makes them all uniquely different. So space for this free event is limited. Of course, you've got to be 21 plus. You can sign up now at Stevie's Wine and Spirits on Facebook, or you can visit their event page at stevieswineandspirits.com. But why not go out and take this free class and taste and learn about cognac? All right, let's go back to the phones, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. I brought this storm to New England, you know, you know why? <laughs> It was falling up the yeah, coast. Sunday, yeah, Sunday we uh, we left Florida about five o'clock, and we got back last night about four o'clock. And when we were in uh, what do call it, uh, middle of um, about mid Virginia, we started sleep and all the way to Washington, and then it stopped briefly, and then it came behind us. So, okay, hold on a sec. It is open. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, and uh, we won the national championship, thirty-two to twelve. All right, there we go, bringing it, yeah, bringing the title home to New Bedford. Yeah, it took us nineteen and uh, three. Oh. Right, I got to go. Bye. All right, well, that's good news. Uh, let's take another call here. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hi, this is the same caller that was trying to call before. We we can't hear you. I I don't know what's wrong with your phone. I see you there. We've got you pushed through, but we can't hear you for some reason. So there must be some kind of issue with your telephone. I'm sorry. I, I, I wish I had an easier way to, to, to help you out there, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe the mute button is hit on your phone. Maybe maybe you do need to restart it. If it's a, If it's a landline, maybe unplug it from the wall and plug it back in. These are all the things that I try when, when my phone doesn't work. I don't know that it'll actually work to help you. If you're still having an, uh, trouble and you can't get your phone to connect, open up the WBSM app, click on the open line feature, and you can record what it is that you want to say and send that on over. But I, I, don't, I don't know why that's not working for you. So we will... Um, we will continue to follow the developments that happen with that bridge, with the proposed vertical lift bridge, and we will have the conversation with Representative Strauss up as a podcast for you to check out later, and uh, you can go back and listen to everything that he was saying, but I think a key takeaway for that from that, as I mentioned, these towers that will be placed on either side of the bridge at 180 feet, I think they were. 180, 190 feet. We're talking about, I think it was 190 because that's 19 stories. The Regency is 16 stories. We're talking about something that's going to be higher than, and I, you know, it all depends on the, the elevation of 
the land of where it's where it's coming up from, but we're talking about something that'll be higher than the highest buildings in New Bedford. So it is going to be something that is a focal point, a visual focal point and representative of the city. You know how when you drive over the Braga Bridge and you look and you're like, oh, what's that other bridge down there? I see another bridge. People are going to be coming down 195 and seeing the the towers for this. And so it, it does have to be something that is representative. But as we were talking about with Representative Strauss, uh, sorry to say Representative Twicer, but as we were saying, you know, it, it the more you design things to look unique and different, the more the cost goes up. And you know that Mayor Mitchell is going to have a say about, or he's going to want to have a say about the way that it looks, because as he said, if you're going to build something here, we want to make sure that it is, you know, fitting into the character of our community. That's why he made them trash the original design for the pedestrian bridge and, and design something different. And as I was saying with Representative Strauss, you can do a lot with the LED lighting. As he pointed out, it's far more affordable. So perhaps you have this bridge and then an LED light display that looks like a whale. You know, there's, there's a lot that can be done, but still keep the cost down. Estimated cost, as uh, Representative Strauss said, it could cost up to $200 million to build this new bridge. 508-996-0500. I've got to take the final break of the hour and of the show. We'll be back in just a few. All right, that's going to do it for me for today. Stay tuned. We have uh, Chris McCarthy coming up with South Coast Now, and uh, we will have more discussion with you at 508-996-0500. Barry's back today. He'll be on after Bill O'Reilly, and then we'll have Howie